Meech, who is the biggest chirper on defense? I need. I mean, we kind of probably have a have a really good guess on who that might yeah. be, but uh, who is the biggest chirper? Yeah, you you don't have you can just take one big guess. You know, we won number five, <laughs> man. It was a uh, Jared Verse, man. You know, he's one of a kind. Uh, it, it really tripped me up at first because I I didn't think he was serious with some of the things that he was used to say. Like, uh, just when I first got there, I was like, yo, who is this guy, man? Like, who is this dude? <laughs> Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Hear the Spear, presented to you by NoelGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening. And once again, we've got a wonderful, fantastic special guest with us. Looking forward to this one. Been in the works for a little while now. But we've got former FSU offensive lineman Dimitri Emmanuel, or how they call him, Big Beach. In the house with us this evening. I've been looking forward to that all week, man. But yeah. happy to have you on here with us, Dimitri. Welcome to Hear the Spear. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all having me on here. It's definitely, definitely blessed to be here, man. 100%. And down below me is our usual co-host, Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer. And at the corner right is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NG. Gentlemen, how y'all doing down there? Doing great. Excited to have Dimitri on tonight and to you know talk about his time at FSU and his journey from Charlotte to Tallahassee and just how everything's gone throughout his college career to now. I'm so upset at ACC officials for the UNC game Saturday, so just keep it moving. <laughs> What's new? Getting mad at ACC refs and officials. There's nothing new there. But Meech, man, uh, like I said earlier, I've been one to have you on for a while. And I think, too, we talk so highly about this offensive line and it starts up top with Coach Atkins. But until we get into that meet, let's talk about what you're doing right now as you're preparing to for going to the league and a lot of other things as well. But where, where are you at? You said you're in Tallahassee in our production meeting doing some training. Yes, sir. So um, right now I'm in Tallahassee. I uh, came back just about a week and a half uh, after the after the bowl game. Just wanted to get straight into training. Um, so last year, uh, you know, I had to do pro day. So I got a little taste of what, what that was like, but I didn't have the full the full time to, to get ready and train. So I'm looking forward to 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 you know continue continuing to train with Coach Farn and uh, you know some of the other guys that I'm training with. But I'm yeah I'm just in Tallahassee right now uh, getting to work. Are there some other guys who who are you training with as well? Uh, nobody nobody from Florida State. Just uh, gotcha. just a couple other guys that um, you know Coach Coach knows him. So it's been good that we've been getting some good work in going to kind of bounce around all over the place tonight, but obviously you started your career off at Charlotte, yeah. spent your first five years there. Can you just kind of talk about 
um, your time playing for Charlotte and then also the year that you were able to spend there under Coach Atkins in 2019? Yeah, so, you know, coming out of high school, going to Charlotte, you know, the reason I went there was really just to be close to home and really just to be the king, like king of the Queen City, I guess, you know, just being playing high school football there, uh, you know, just just to be a home, like the hometown hero, you know. And so, um, you know, that's some adversity when I was there at Charlotte. Um, but I enjoyed every time, every moment I had there, um, enjoyed my teammates and you know, I played. I played under a new offensive line coach every single season. So, mm-hmm. you know, going through stuff like that, uh, I definitely helped my transition uh, coming to Florida State. Just being able to learn the playbook uh, and just getting to know the guys here at Florida State. Um, in twenty, so in twenty nineteen, when I met Coach Atkins, uh, you know, I definitely didn't didn't picture you know where I'd be at right now. You know, but I'm definitely glad that I met him, and you know, he's had a tremendous impact on my life. Um, just on the field and and off the field, uh, just as a mentor he's been. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just very appreciative of, of, of him. Um, and, you know, just the lessons I've learned at Charlotte, but more so when I was uh, towards the end of my career at Charlotte, was just looking for an opportunity to grow as a, as a player. Uh, and really as a man, I felt like I had um, almost just kind of maxed myself out a little bit. And I felt like uh, just to strain for improvement, I wasn't able to uh, exactly get all that at that time uh, from my current situation. So uh, I decided to hit the transfer portal and, you know, it wasn't really, it was really a no brainer for me. I knew who I wanted to, to come back to. Like I mentioned, I had a new O-line coach every year. So even, even after Coach Atkins, I had two more uh, offensive line coaches. And I just realized that um, I realized that I needed to be under Coach Atkins, uh, just the way he coaches his coaching style, his leadership and, you no, know, I, I never look back. So that's kind of that's kind of how I ended up here at Florida State. Did you give any of the whenever you got to FSU to give any of the heads up to some of the offensive line guys about what Coach Atkins is and like you oh, know what, yeah. what, what this guy what this guy's see, bringing? See, the thing is, they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't need no heads up because they they had already kind of seen it. But they they was more so asking me like like well, dang was he was he like this over there at Charlotte too? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, you know he's very hard on us. You know he he challenges you challenges you to to your breaking point at times, you know, but, uh, you know, as a player and as a competitor, you know, it only makes you, you know, it makes you want to do better for yourself. Cause at, at the end of the day, what I love about what the things that like coach Jackson says, like it might be very harsh to you, but he's never going to lie to you. And so, you know, ultimately, you know, you got to go home and look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, wh- what do I need to do to correct this mistake? Or, you know, yeah, he, he, he's, he is saying this, but maybe not listen to the message. Or maybe not listen to how he's saying it, but listen to the actual message. And so, you know, but those guys, man, uh, there, there was there was there was really ready to hear some of the stories uh, hmm. and see if he was see if he was any different. But he wasn't. He was the same guy. In fact, he's even more. I think he's even more uh, uh, compassionate here. I feel like he has even more like connection to the guys here. Just just because I only had him for one season, you know, he didn't bring in any uh, any of his own recruits at Charlotte. So, you know. Uh, these guys, guys here, like he brought in some of these guys, so you know he he felt a little bit more. I feel like obligation to to you know really uh, put pour into their success. While you're at Charlotte, you've played alongside a guy that ended up going to the NFL and Nate Davis. What was having a guy like in that room for you know you as a freshman? Yeah, so playing with Nate and we had another guy too, Cam Cameron Clark. So those those two guys were huge in my development. Um, I used to just try and be around those guys all the time. During the summer, uh, we we would do the, the do the football workouts, and then in the afternoon we was 
we was uh, doing our own workouts just just to get an edge on you know the opponent. I mean, we just we just had goals and aspirations. So you know, but I, I, as a freshman and a so, as a sophomore, I didn't really understand that the work that it really took. But really seeing seeing those guys take their craft seriously, especially coming from uh, you know Charlotte's a small school, and at that time we had only had one draft pick. So just seeing the work that it took uh, took for Nate and. And Cam, Nate was drafted, I believe, in 2019 uh, in the third round to the Titans. But he was the second draft pick in school history. So seeing seeing the work he put in, it was like, okay, you know, if I could do the same thing, you know, I'll have a chance to have success have to success myself. And then um, Cam was saying the same thing, super competitive guy, uh, super hard worker, and he was a dominant player. I remember we, uh, we played Clemson, and he had – Probably, probably even to this day, one of the best games I've ever seen as an offensive lineman. Uh, but he knew that that was that was going to be his chance to make it to the next level. So, you know, I was definitely blessed to be to have those guys in the old line room and just get uh, as many gems as I could from those guys. We were talking about earlier in the production meeting, Meech, but tour duty. And we heard from Jarian. I think we yeah. talked with Brandon Fisk about it, but Jarian was very clear that he does not at all miss tour of duty, but. <laughs> Uh, give, give us your thoughts on it because now these guys are going into it right now and these transfers are coming yeah. in. We heard from Malik Benson, TJ Ferguson, two guys from Bama, and he said this is a style of conditioning that creates success for later on down the down the field. But what about for you and how that maybe impacted you, yourself and also your teammates in this last yeah. season specifically? I mean, I think, you know, last season going into we all knew we had talent on the team, but it always takes the work that you have to put in. And that's just something that Florida State tour duty is. It's part of the culture. It's part of the mindset that we have. It's, it's mind over matter. Like, no matter what happens on the field, like, you know, you have to keep your mind in check. And so that's something that, you know, Coach Novell, Coach Storms, they, they've implemented. And it's it's tough. It's hard work. Um, and it's a lot. It's hard work physically and mentally, too. It challenges you. But, you know, it's proven success. It's proven work so that, in the big moments, you know, you never lose your cool, you never lose your focus, because you've already been through, been through the ringer. Just, that's why you can see, like, even when we played Florida last year, like, um, and the, the guy has spit in KJ's face. You know, it's yeah. it's like, people don't understand that the you know the composure and stuff that it takes. But like when you've been through when you've been through the stuff that we go through and, and some of the stuff that those guys are going through right now, it it puts you in that in that spot that you're not you know, you can be as upset as you want. Of course, you everyone's gonna have emotions, but you know, you need to keep yourself under control. It's always about the team, uh, and so it's it's that's kind of what the tour duty is about. Can you take us through that moment there? Because I was on the my my sheet yeah. here where Keandre got spat on at UF, and he, he he took it on. Didn't I don't know if he said anything back, but that drive yeah. was. It seemed like y'all had a little fire after that, and he ended up actually putting up some points. But take yeah. us through that moment though. Of the so it was, it was crazy. crazy. Yeah, it was crazy because that was the guy. Like the guy had just came in for the first play, the play before that, and I remember he had. Uh, I had. I had like had a good block on him, but after the play, like he he was like he was like trying to stomp on my leg. Like he was like trying to stomp on me in front of the ref, and you know the ref was just standing there. He didn't. He didn't even like, didn't even acknowledge it. But he he clearly saw what happened. But it was like all right, cool, next play, whatever. But so that the fact that the next the very next play, KJ had a good block on him and. You know, it's football, you know, especially in a rivalry game like that. You know, things are said on the field, but like I say, like, that's what we go through tour duty to keep your composure. This guy obviously, uh, you know, lost his composure and ends up spitting on 
you know, spitting on KJ. And it's crazy that they even caught it on camera like that, you know. But, yeah. uh, I mean, it, is, it just goes to show you, man, like, the resiliency, the mindset that we have. Uh, you know, I, KJ, KJ, he couldn't even really believe that what, what, what had even happened. It was more so just like, did this guy really spit on me? Like, like did this really just happen? So, yeah. but, you know, shout out to that guy. You know, he's, he's definitely... Um, you know, he's definitely going to have a great season this, this year coming up. But, yeah, that's, that's this, this is kind of goes into the mindset. But that, it was just crazy that, that the guy even did that. His only two plays of the game, and he, he's out there just, <laughs> just trying to be uh, a menace. Yeah, that's something that you can just never prepare for. But that kind of leads me into my next question, and you probably already have the answer. But, you know, you finished your career in Tallahassee, a combined 4-0, 2-0 against Miami, 2-0 against Florida in these big rivalry games, which one yeah. did you dislike playing against the most? And I'm, I'm guessing it's the Gators. Yeah, I think the Gators, uh, you know, I think the Gators rivalry, I think it's, it was more, they were both fun to play in, but those games are just, just, uh, I'm never going to forget them, you know? Like, it just, just even last year going back to, we beat Miami 45-3 uh, last year. It was, it was fun being up on them, but when we played them at home, uh, just the back and forth and being able to win, seeing, seeing the impact it had when the, the fans stormed the field, it was like, okay, you know, I really get the the importance of this rivalry, you know. And then this year, going to the Swamp, you know, having the adversity that we had, um, having to go in and win the game, uh, you know, with, with Tate back there. Mm-hmm. I think it just goes to – it was probably my favorite, just my favorite just because of the resiliency of the team. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what college football is about. So – I would say that that was probably probably a little bit better rivalry mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. The uh, going to Rodemaker stepping in. Can you take us through the North Alabama game though, when you lost uh, JT, and, and kind of take us through that night overall? Because the whole entire fan base, people covering the team heavily, us there on the beat on the ground, you know, that, that hit everybody hard in a lot of different ways. But yeah. I just can't imagine what it was for you guys on the sideline in the locker room at halftime. A lot of question marks, wondering if JT was good. Uh, you know, he gets taken off and put into an ambulance. So a lot of question marks, I'm sure, for you guys. But, you know, take us through that night and also y'all going in and winning uh, there against North Alabama, going through that adversity. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just a weird, like, it was it was just weird because, you know, we were senior night, of course. And, um, you know, we was all being, uh, being acknowledged and celebrated. Um and you know, just just as he deserves, you know, there's a standing standing ovation from the crowd. You know, it, it just you just really felt for him because you know of everything he means to this program. Uh, I mean, he's he's the man. You know, I just it's crazy even just thinking back to it because I just remember I remember like it was yesterday. We just called this uh this you know this uh just regular run that we've always run, and uh, you know just when he when he rolled over with his leg like that, you know I I just couldn't. It was, it was just unfathomable you know uh and it was just a shock for everybody at that time especially you know just seeing you just, you just this guy doesn't deserve it you know he he, he means so much to, the, to to Tallahassee uh and to this team so it was very upsetting um and it was it was actually like it was weird even playing like continuing to play after because it was just like you know that's 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 the guy but you know football you know it happens sometimes you have injuries and stuff like that so you have to keep keep going but I, I think the team, you know, once we, we once we was we was able to settle settle in, we came back to handle business because we still had to. We was down thirteen actually, so we still had to come back and, and really play, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm sure another guy from North Alabama, you know, that wasn't what he was trying to do. But I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know, but it's, it's frustrating even thinking about it, you know, because uh, the other guy doesn't deserve it. But, you know, I know he's going to bounce back, bounce back from the injury and he's going to be a great player in the league. But it was it was tough, man, for everybody. You could you could just hear it. The the stadium was quiet. I mean, everyone I was watching probably was everyone had the same reaction. Like, is this really happening? Just praying for praying that uh, you know he's okay, you know. And then moving into those games, you know, we talked about Florida, but having Tate back there, and then the ACC championship against uh, Louisville, and then Brocklin stepping in for that one. You know, the offense was obviously very shorthanded. And with this offensive line being such a veteran group, you know, did did you guys meet and talk about anything like going into these games, like how you guys need to step up, or I mean, what was kind of like the message going around the the unit in the locker room? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the next guy up mentality. Um, you know, we all believe in Tate. You know, Tate's Tate's been uh, you know been a good backup quarterback for us the last uh, the last couple seasons, and he has shown good flashes during the season. But we definitely had a heightened sense of urgency for the offensive line specifically. About you know, okay, this is going to be on us. This is we're we are the most experienced O line in college football, and it's for a reason. You know, we have we have eight guys that coming in and rotate and play. You know, uh, and even that is just just takes an unselfish, an unselfish mentality. You know, because you know we all want to play, but it's, it takes a certain type of you know certain type of certain type of players to be able to come in and you know and handle business. So yeah, that that was definitely something that we discussed that was going to be on our back, and you know. Whatever happens from this this moving forward, we need to make sure that we're on point. So even more, we watch film even more, and you can even see if it wasn't us, uh, specifically the defense stepping up, even even more so because you know we all wanted it bad. You know, going through a season like that, it's hard. It's hard to win every single game, and uh, yeah, we were, yeah. at that point it was eleven and zero. So we were so close to you know reaching our our dreams and aspirations that we set in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. So it was just more so. All right, whatever we need to do to to figure it out, we're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. What's it like? What was it like playing next to someone who I think gets overlooked a ton, but Mo Maurice Smith yeah. in the middle there? What, what can you say about him? Because he's a guy. It's funny whenever uh, Micah Pittman was there, he was doing the vlog, and they're over there messing with him and trying to yeah. pick on him a little bit. And he kind of likes the camera, but then he doesn't like it. But then Man. on the yeah. field, though, you know, this guy delivers, and he's someone that has been the foundation for this offensive line for multiple yeah. years for Florida State. Tell us about Mo and maybe a few other guys that will be returning going into next year, like yeah. that, like Darius Washington, who's practically a hybrid in that room for you guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, those guys have had tremendous development throughout the years. I mean, uh, both Darius and Maurice. Uh, both guys that came in in 2019 before Coach Novell got here uh, have really thugged it out and uh, have improved, uh, you know, every single season. Maurice, man, has been through a lot of things that, you know, people wouldn't even uh, understand. A lot, a lot of people wouldn't have sacrificed a lot of things that he's, that he's done and been through, you know, just to be able to, uh, you know, put on. And he's a tremendous leader for the for the group and, and for the whole team, much respected around the whole program. So... He's a big guy. He's a big, big factor in uh, a lot of the success that we've had, um, and it's, it makes life way easier when he's out there. He's like the field general for us. So, you know, he's a tremendous player and a tremendous leader. And then Darius too. Uh, I mean, Darius, he doesn't even practice the position he plays during the week. Like what he plays on Saturday, he hasn't been practicing all week. He's been at somewhere else, some some other position. But he somehow finds a way, and whenever he's asked to go in, he's able to handle business. So. I mean, the versatility that he's had, it's not easy to do. People think that, oh, he can just go play left tackle, then right tackle, then go to center. Like, it's, it, it, 
it's a lot of communication and your brain has to to move at a uh, at a high rate you know for 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 you to be able to do that type of stuff so you know those two guys you know tremendous tremendous leaders and uh, big for the program you know i'm excited i'm excited uh, to see to see what this o line looks like coming up this this upcoming season but we've got some great additions some guys some young guys that can really come in and step step up like jalen early you know julian mello you know you like to see them have big off seasons this this season to really contribute uh but guys even coming back like kj uh and then uh the, the transits that we got so and jb you know those those guys are all going to have good seasons this year um but it's 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 uh it's it's, it's crazy just you know the, the the impact that those guys have on the field and even in the locker room this is our from our guy jc allen from uh, bucks game day he's got a question for you meach uh what yeah. kind of problems does fabo fabian lovett bring and practice, and uh, what do you think of him moving into the next level into the league? Fabo is a beast. He's a he's a monster, man. Uh, you know, you can tell every time he's out on the field, he's playing for a different reason. He, he's trying to really feed his family out there. You know, I, I've I've really respected Fabo, even especially when I first came in uh, from Charlotte. Uh, you know, big leader on the team, hard worker, and he was like the voice of the team. You know, and so just looking up to him. And that's a guy I had to go against every day at practice, you know, just yeah. just to get my respect. So, you know, I, I definitely have a lot of respect for Fabo and, you know, all the things that he's been through battling injury, especially last year, um, you know, and still having a big role on the team. Uh, I mean, Fabo, Fabo is, is uh, hmm. I'm sure you guys have seen clips of him going going crazy this week at the East-West Shrine Bowl. Yeah. That's, that's, that was like that every, every, every single practice, you know. And that's honestly why yeah. some of the guys have had so much success at these at these All Star games because the way we practice, like we don't we don't we don't take practice lightly. We practice very hard and it's very intense and it's very competitive. So, you know that's why you've been able to see some of these guys have success. You know the twenty twenty three season, those first thirteen games when you guys were undefeated, it, it wasn't an easy stretch. There were four times where you guys had to overcome a double digit deficit to come back and and win a game. So I just wanted to ask, you know. What made this group uh, so resilient in 2023 whenever there was adversity to keep fighting and stand up in the face of it? I think going into the season, knowing that we we had a uh, we were so close last year, uh, oh, excuse me, the 2022 season, uh, just missing those. Uh, we lost. We came on short those three games, but we we all feel like we could have easily those those games could have easily gone our way, you know, and so. Just learning those lessons, but also you know bringing a lot of those guys back for the season coming in. Going into the season, we were, we was on some stuff like no matter what it takes, we're 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 not gonna leave without a victory, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so so sometimes when you find yourself in those moments, like even versus Clemson, like the the whole mood in the locker room and the defense coming over to the offense and uh, you know just encouraging offense going over to the defense at times when you needed to. Just encouraging the defense, like yo, we got y'all back. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter what what happens during this game. We know what we're capable of doing, and we were only focused on us. And that was the best part about it. You know, we just wanted to play our best game, and you know, you can see it in clutch moments. We was able to to come up big. So, mm -hmm. what what to you? How do you describe Mike Norvell and his coaching since you first arrived, and then learning more about him, and now you moving on to the league and. It seems like he's very hands-on no matter what in the recruiting side, transfer side, and then 
post and being make sure that he's seeing, you know, he was just over there with a couple of the guys at the East West Shrine uh, Bowl, and I'm sure he's going to be over there in the Senior Bowl checking in on some guys. But what do you say about Mike Norvell since your first meeting him and then now uh, where you're at presently? I mean, Coach Norvell is the real one. Like, and every, you know, he, he's the realest. I remember when I first met Coach Novell, just uh, how intense he was in the, our first conversation. Uh, and he basically was telling me, you know, that if he's ever lacking, you know, hold him accountable, you know, to to the, the standard that he's asking of us. But you never had to do that with Coach Novell. He he held that standard for himself and for the whole team every single day. Um, he's intense. He's passionate about the game. He loves the game of football. He's he's a guy on Sunday like he's he's watched the whole game. He knows every everything that you did, good and bad. You know he's he's uh he's talking to you about the game, uh he's he's pouring into the to uh to office players you know regardless of what situation you're in, um, I really can't say enough good things about Coach Novell. He's he's the man for real, and you know we're we're really blessed to have him here at, at, at Florida State. He's he's one of a kind. So, you know I, I just appreciate everything that he's personally done for me, and you know the the team is going to continue to be successful under his leadership. We talked about Coach Atkins earlier, but he had two really good assistants under him that also work with you guys every day out there, yeah. and Coach Fertitta and Coach Williams. And I know Coach Williams has now moved on to Missouri, but getting the chance to just work with those trio of coaches the last two years, you know, how do those guys factor into the equation as well with Coach Atkins? Yeah, they're huge. They're, uh, they're a huge part of it. I mean, they don't always get the credit uh, like they, that, they, that they deserve, but, I mean – those guys are the ones that's break helping us break down the film during the week, helping us find the tendencies. You know, just just being there, being there for us when we're not always able to ask Coach Atkins, and being able to teach teach us uh, the game of football at a high level. Uh, you know, they were very good at their at what they do, and you know, I wish Co Co uh, Coach Williams the best where he's at right now at Missouri. You know, I know he's going to continue to be, uh, do great things, and he's going to be a great coach. Uh, and Coach Vatita. You know, just just appreciation from from where he came from. You know, he was a high school head coach for a long time in a very successful program. You know, and it just goes to show you what it means. He came, he comes to Florida State, and uh, as as you know, more of a just a service service uh, you know role to help to help us understand and be successful. You know, uh, those guys uh, deserve just as much credit as Coach Atkins because you know they're they're with us just as, just as much going through all the stuff during the week to to make sure that we're on point. Meach, have you ever been like interested? We talked about it in the production meeting, but interested in coaching. When we were watching you at practice, you couldn't practice. You could sort of do a few things here and there, but you couldn't go yeah. full contact, obviously, and everything. You're in that waiver process with the NCAA. Yeah. But, you know, it seems like, you know, after your playing days, uh, do you have any interest in getting to the coaching side? Yeah, I, I absolutely do have interest in that. Um, I love the game of football. And I love what it can provide for for people and the opportunity that it can provide for you know for these young men. And you know, it's, it's, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to to be all into it. But you know, it's something that I I do believe I can do. I have a passion for it. The, the X's and O's. It's been easy for me to uh, to learn to learn different schemes. And uh, you know, I just want to be able to be a teacher for that. And you know, help help relate through my experiences throughout college and. You know, pour into pour into the next generation. You know, if I can't do it anymore, you know, I I want to be around the game as long as I can. So I absolutely uh, want to be uh, want to be a coach one day. And you know, it's, it's all gonna come into fruition. Just uh, just need to let time play out. And not only helping the guys out there at FSU's practice, but I believe whenever whenever you first transferred to FSU, 
you were out at a couple of those summer camps, you know, whenever the high school, high school yeah. kids came in and helping out there as well. So, I mean, it really shows. Yeah, yeah no, I yeah. definitely do. I mean, those high school guys, you know, I remember, I remember me being one of those guys, you know, just trying to come to the camp and get an offer or impress the coach and just basically, you know, showcase my talents and, you know, get coached up too. So, you know, it's different in high school because it's, it's only with, a, with those camps, you only get a certain amount of time with these guys uh you know to pour in but anything that they can get you know those guys are trying to soak as many gems as you can so you know just definitely uh just blessed man to be in the position i was in uh, and just give back we talked about it whenever you hopped on the podcast but being from charlotte and then going to charlotte and spending your first five years there how special was it really to return to charlotte you know for that acc championship game and then also to come away with a victory that night and you know have a ring on your finger forever yeah, that's definitely going to be something I remember forever. Uh, I'm always going to be able to turn that TV copy on and uh, just just watch, you know, just watch the game and, you know, relive those moments. You know, coming back to Charlotte, it was uh, it was a full circle moment. You know, I, I had always uh, been, especially playing at Charlotte, it was always the ACC championship there and that, you know, different uh, different teams obviously were playing in and then they had the belt bowl. And I always wanted to play in uh, the Bank of America Stadium, you know, so I had never had a chance to do that. Um, so being able to come home, uh, it was just extra motivation, you know, uh, definitely playing in front of, in front of my family and friends, something that I'll always remember and I'll always appreciate, uh, the work, the work that it took to get there. So, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a blessing. It was really surreal to be honest with you, but something I'll always cherish. Meech, who was the biggest chirper on defense? I need, mean, I mean, we kind of probably have a, I have a really good guess on who that might yeah. be, but, uh, who was the biggest chirper? Yeah, you you don't have you can just take one big guess and know who won number five, man. It was a uh, Jared Verse, man. You know he's one of a kind. Uh, it, it really tripped me up at first because I I didn't think he was serious in some of the things that he was used to say. Like, uh, just when I first got there, I was like, yo, who is this guy, man? Like, who is this dude? But you know, he he backed it up every single time, which is, which is what I respect the most about him. You know, I really think partially he did it just to motivate himself. You know, to hold himself to a high standard because you know you can't be talking trash and then you know be getting whooped on. So, but he, you know, it was very hard to do that. And I don't, I don't really see too many people that actually did it to him like that. So, you know, if I was him, I would keep talking too. You know, it, it, it was working for him. You know, but yeah, that that was a uh, that, that was definitely Jared Verse. He he could take that title for sure. He, he we we have videos of him, the ones that went viral on our Instagram of him chirping coming into practices first yeah, day of pads when shells came on man yeah. was that you someone was talking back to him but i think that was it was jb was... jb see i i'd already realized that this is what he does so you know i'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna let him affect my practice you know but you know he that's what he wants he wants you to go back and forth with him you know what i'm saying just just when he beats you he can he can turn up even more but yeah that i mean walking it walking into practice that was that was the mindset that was the mentality so it was like okay you know, cool. Like, let me strap up. Let me get ready to go. Which is, I mean, it's part of the game. That's, our practices were super competitive. So, yeah, you know, I all respect to him, man. Yeah, he'd he'd be talking trash with Atkins too. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was great for content and stuff. But you guys yeah. kind of just kept quiet. And I mean, it delivered though on practices. My favorite part of going to practices was watching y'all three v threes. These are one on ones. OL versus DL, oh, yeah. Atkins and Odell. You guys going at it and woo, yeah, it, it gets physical and chirp chirps get chirped. And uh, if yeah. you can back it up, you back it up. But super super fun part about practice and you guys do get after it. I know that Coach Norvell 
from what Jarian told us, you don't have any time to rest. We see it. You've got to be at your drill with 30 seconds left, not let you yeah. get there at the zero mark. You've got to be there ready to go with 30 yeah. seconds left. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, uh, when we get those breaks, he, he, he says uh, 90 seconds. When Once you hit that 90 seconds, just go ahead and grab your helmet and start heading where you need to get to because if you're late, we're going to lock down. We're going to do something, you know, that you know you don't yeah. want to do. Yeah. But mm-hmm. just nope. shout out to Coach Novell and really just the whole staff. I mean, you know, I'm just very appreciative to, to have been playing here. And, uh, you know, I, I know those guys are going to continue to have great successes next year. I hate we've even got to ask you this question, but, you know, you guys – You lead 30, that off every time with that. I, I mean, I, I don't know how, how else to lead it off, but you guys go 13-0, and win the ACC championship with your second string and then also third string quarterback, and then, you know, 12 hours later – snubbed by the college football playoff. Can you just talk about um, your reaction and kind of the aftermath of that really tough situation? I mean, it was the, it was demoralizing, you know, it was, it, it just, it really sucked because, you know, you, you win the ACC championship and uh, apparently there was like talks about us already not being in, but we hadn't heard none of that. We was, we was just happy. You know, we won the ACC championship. We hadn't back to Tallahassee. We got a um a, a watch party for the next morning. You know, surely they're not gonna leave the thirteen and those those out. And it's just when we was watching it, it it's, it was like heartbreaking because you know you work so hard um to uh, you know accomplish your goals and and you know you everything's in your hands. You you win every single game. You don't lose a game, and to not be recognized like that, it it, it really it really messed you. Really messed us a lot a lot of us up for you know a couple of days, man. But. No, I, I've kind of just took back from it. It's just it's really life. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, you can do everything right, but sometimes this life won't even won't go your way. Uh, you know, but how are you going to respond from that situation? Uh, and I know those guys are going to respond, you know, in, in a tremendous way. That's also why I kind of wanted to just play and you know, finish my season out, you know, um, going against Georgia in the bowl game, you know, just because there's it 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 another chance to just showcase, you know, showcase my talents and, uh, you know, just, just finish, it, finish it up one more time for, for the Seminoles. But, I mean that that was probably like definitely one of the most disappointing moments that I've been through in my life, and uh, but you know it, it, sometimes that's just how the, the cookie crumbles, man. So you know I'm always yeah. gonna be thinking about it. We're all, we're all gonna have feelings feelings towards it, but you know you can't change it now. So it's like it's just like Dan, you remember the time where they left us out? Yeah, like mm-hmm. you know it's always gonna be like that. We always gonna talk about it, and you know. But I'm I'm glad that the guys that they did put in. You know, I ain't gonna lie, I'm glad that they lost. <laughs> the, the teams, the teams that uh, you know that they weren't undefeated. You know, I, you know, it's just, it's not right, man. It's not right. It just makes it even worse for those teams to go in there and they both get knocked out in the first round. I mean, yeah, it's it's just like putting salt in the wound, bro. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, come on, man. You know, because it's not no matter what happened. You no, know, we always rose to the occasion. You know, we always played our best when we needed to. So it's yep. it's frustrating to know that we won't, we're not going to get a chance to showcase that. But uh, you know, it's it's just, it's just part of it, man. You know, I've, I've I'm not even accepted it 100, but you know it's just life. Like I say, you know sometimes things just aren't aren't gonna go your way, man. So you know how are you gonna look at the next opportunity? Mm-hmm. I've only got two more for you, Meech. But this one on the brighter side, we always ask a guest here uh, on this, and specifically a player. And uh, of your size, I-, I think we're gonna get a good one here. I'm expecting a good one. But favorite food spot in Tallahassee during your time you're still there right now yeah. but if you've got a couple of them feel free Jarian put together like three I think Braden had a few Braden Braden Fisk he's over in Midtown he's more of a classy guy so he's yeah, over yeah. there with the, with the older folk in Midtown but man, uh, what, I'm in what, college like, town with the young bucks man 
<laughs> not at recess? Uh, yeah, right next to recess, dog. <laughs> right next to recess. Uh, I was two places. O-line used to hate me because every week I used to, uh, I want to go to Nagoya, man, where they, uh, they cook, they cook mm-hmm. the food in front of you. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah. Like, I always just liked it. Uh, and it was good bonding time. So I used to, yeah. So I used to always hit the O-line up. Uh, every week we was going to Nagoya. And then I would also say another place I like Crafty Crab, like the, with the, um, the seafood. Yeah. I think they do a really good job, you know, uh, here. So that's, that's probably, every time I go there, I'm going crazy. So, you know, those are my two spots so far in Tally, you know. Nagoya, I would say for sure. And uh, Crafty Crab, man. I like it. I like it. Two years at Florida State, obviously a ton of success on the field. Um, you were named all ACC both years in Tallahassee, first team all selection uh, this this past season. Um, looking back at your career in Tallahassee, you know, what are you going to remember the most, whether it's on or off the field? Just the relationship I had with the guys. Um, you know, just Tallahassee, is, is, uh, just just them embracing me, uh, you know, with, welcome, with open arms. Uh, you know, I came in really with, with, with not very high expectations from everyone on the outside, but for myself, you know, I wanted to make an impact on the team and uh, really just do what I could to, make, to help the team win. And so it's it's crazy just because it's, that it's over now, you know. Uh, it went by so fast. I had so much fun. I, I would say I, I had um, the most fun just, just getting to know my, just those members of my teammates, going in, uh, beating Clemson, uh, the rivalry games, and even just the memories in the locker room, the, the relationships I had, that's probably the main thing that I'm, I'm going to take back. No, uh, I definitely it wasn't something I expected um, coming into coming into Tallahassee, but I mean I'm I'm so grateful for the for everything that that that's happened to me these last uh, the last two years. Just coaches pushing me to be able to uh, achieve um, you know the the athletes I did because when I first came in, you know I, you know I, I was struggling really hard, but you know like I say, you have to look yourself in the mirror and really just just decide what you want what you want out of this. So. No, I would say I would say um, those those are the main things that I, I remember the most. Just just the guys, man, uh, the special people, the connections that we had. You know, it's been a lot of great teams in Florida State going undefeated. I'm never gonna forget that. So, mm-hmm. you know, my last one for my last one for you. Uh, what would you tell a transfer that's deciding to go to Florida State, or if they're that's one on one of their list to come visit? What, what would you tell, and I'm sure you've done this already uh, and doing some recruiting on FSU side in the offensive line room, but what yeah. would you do if you're sitting down talking to a guy just straight up, man-to-man, what, what are you telling them about I mean, Tallahassee look, and FSU? If, if you're looking for a place that's all about football, this is the place, you, the place you need to be. You have the coaches that are all about ball. Everything is poured into the success of uh, the, the athletic program here. Everybody is uh, – from from even from the AD all the way down, you know, we all poured into the success of the team. Right? We take it very seriously, you know. So, I would say if, if you're if you're if you're a guy that's looking to to play ball, you you love football, you love to compete, you love the hard work. This is the place for you. If it's not, it's not for you. That's why we don't take everybody, you know. Um, but it's it's a special place, you know. You got to be a certain type of guy to be here and, and to play for the coaches and to have the you know the unselfishness uh, the unselfishness. Uh, to continue to you know have success here, so I, I I would say that that's that's just the main thing. It's it's all business here, you know. Uh, we we have a lot of fun because we work hard. But you know, if 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 you're looking for that, this is the place for you. 
Sounds great. I think that's a pretty good recruiting pitch right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to use you there. <laughs> yes, man. But uh, hey, man, you've been on. We got you for 40 minutes extra time. Yeah. So appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, we'll be staying tuned to you as you go further too, and you're playing uh, games and two also as well. Uh, keep us updated too. You're gonna be participating in the pro day, correct at FSU? Yes, sir. Yes, okay, sir. I'll be there March 22nd. I believe is the date. Okay, perfect then. So we'll have full coverage on you as well, the handful mm-hmm. of other guys. It's going to be a fun, fun yeah, offseason. It's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun pro day for sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, it's definitely going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of guys out there, a lot of uh, opportunities. <laughs> so no, I'm looking forward to showcase my talents. Hell yeah, man. Well, appreciate you, Meech, coming on here. Yes, Wishing you the best. Stay healthy. For sure, but uh, I think a lot of FSU fans love this interview, given some insight yeah. from the trenches on the offensive side this time. Uh, this is awesome, so I appreciate yes, you sir. and all the time you gave us. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all, man. For real, thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks, Dimitri, and good luck preparing for uh, pro day. Looking forward to seeing you out there. So appreciate you, brother. Sweet deal, Dimitri, Big Meech, baby. Finally, I'm looking forward to having him on. Uh, super talented guy held his ground on the line for uh, two years and someone that I think Jordan Travis is really happy to have there uh, on the line for him. And uh, along with other uh, offense uh, quarterbacks that he was having to protect, I was like trying to figure out who else Demetrius having to protect up there, but uh, he did a fantastic job during his career at Florida State. Like you were just saying, Dustin first team this last season, he's a stud. Been waiting on this one for a while. You know, Dimitri, so well-spoken and, you know, was really excited to see what he's done at Florida State these last couple of years, and it's going to be fun to watch him as he uh, works on this transition to the pro level. And I'm telling you what, too, the competition that he had to go through on a daily basis. You're in practice daily there, but then when I was there, it's no joke. Those guys go to battle every day. So, you know, when it comes to Saturdays, things may be a little bit smoother for them. But just also, too, to get some insight on Darius Washington, a player that's returning this next season along with Mo, Florida State starting center. Uh, the future is extremely bright for Darius Washington. That, that Just to know that, you know, there's some times where he's not exactly practicing for the position and he gets jumped into a game, which we do see. And we're like, oh, there's Darius Washington. He's now played two positions this quarter, it, it just goes to show how uh, intelligent he is as a player as well and what force it has going into next season. Really special group coming back, not just him, but, you know, we talked about Marie Smith, Keandre Jones. You've still got Robert, Robert Scott, Jeremiah Byers. So some real talent coming back. Florida State's landed some guys out of the transfer portal like they did with Dimitri a couple of years ago. And once again, you know, it's looking like a promising offensive line entering the spring. Yeah. Well, let's jump into some quick hitters before we end off the podcast tonight. There's a handful of things we're going to talk about. Florida State's new staff edition. We're going to talk some newcomer interviews. Uh, We'll talk Senior Bowl, Jordan Travis update there. He talked to a certain team during his time at the East-West Shrine Bowl, which I uh, am pretty happy about, I must say. And then also we'll talk about Rodney Hill and now flipping back over to the Rattlers in Tallahassee, and then we'll talk a little bit of NFL projections, specifically talking Jared Verse and Keon Coleman there, those two guys projected in the first round. But let's talk about Florida State's new staff edition, gentlemen, a Kane killer, a FSU Hall of Famer from the 2019 class. 
Rock uh, Rick Stockstill is joining Florida State staff. Uh, I about said Rock Stockstill. I about said Rock. The Rock is joining. The Rock is joining Florida State staff. Uh, I don't know where they got the money from to do that, but Battle's in is pumping. But uh, yeah, Rick Stockstill, former uh, Middle Tennessee State uh, head coach for 18 years, uh, has joined Florida State staff um, as a director of scouting for offense. Um, uh, he told, well, this is from Mike Norvell. He said, I'm fired up to add Rick to our coaching staff. He brings a tremendous amount of football knowledge and experience to this position and will serve a vital role in our preparation as a staff. Rick's perspective as a former player here under Coach Bowden, as well as a head coach for nearly two decades, will be valuable as he helps us continue our program's climb. It's clear how much Florida State means to rick and i'm excited we have this opportunity to bring him back to the Knoll family so a really i think this is a really solid addition to florida state successful former head coach fsu hall of famer 40 plus years of coaching experience you know i don't really think there's one that you can go wrong with uh right here rick stock still took down miami a couple years ago a big upset in coral gables with um with his squad at, at Middle Tennessee State. And now come back to Tallahassee. It's actually funny because I remember in the aftermath of that game, whenever they went and beat Miami down there and, and beat them bad. I mean, it was a, I believe, a 21 point game. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those upsets where, mm-hmm. you know, like Florida State had where they lost on the last second Hail Mary. It was a decisive upset. But in the aftermath of that, I went and found his brick out there on the legacy walk. So, I mean, this is, this is someone that's very well respected in Florida State program history. And to bring him back, you know, in that director of scouting role on the offensive side of the ball, he's going to be replacing John Garrett, who moved to moved to Duke earlier this offseason in the uh, general manager of player personnel role. So this is Florida State, you know, replacing a, a staff member who was hired away. And, and I think they got a quality one here in stock still. Yeah, that was a top 25 Miami team at the time. People kind of forget that, but they were ranked 25th. And Middle Tennessee went down and whooped them up the field. I, that play – that everyone remembers is, you know, Middle Tennessee was backed up against their own goal line and just beats Miami over the top for, I think, was a 96-yard touchdown. I don't think you're going to get any complaints out of that. No, I don't think so either, uh, beating the Canes like he did. But uh, I need to bring up the clip. Maybe I will at the end of this show. But uh, Stockstill was very happy. You've got some personality. Yeah, and it, I think it fits well for this program and where they're at, and there's some confidence building in the, as built into this program, and uh, I don't think there's any kind of a worry that Stockstill doesn't have that kind of a vibe. He's got a lot of courage, and bringing that over to Florida State is just what we, what they need, and uh, a great addition. This is what Stockstill said in the press release. He said, I'm very appreciative and humbled for this opportunity to join Coach Norvell and his staff. Watching him build this program and getting to know him as a person has been rewarding for me and many other former players. My time at Florida State University was crucial to my development as a person and as a professional. And I'm excited to be back at a place that means so much to me. I'm looking forward to contributing to the cycle of impacting others as part of an already successful staff. So uh, really, really nice addition here for Florida State moving forward. 
We heard from a few newcomers. We're going to have this going on for the next couple of weeks, but we were supposed to have Jalen Brown added into this mix. But outside of that, though, we heard from Malik Benson, TJ Ferguson, both those guys, Alabama transfers and Miami transfer Devontae Brown. Uh, a couple of things that stood out to me. I quoted one on Malik Benson and you know him working with DJ, Florida State's new transfer quarterback from Oregon State. Uh, those two have already been working together, which is great. Already building some chemistry there. But uh, one thing that Malik's going to be bringing to this offense, he said, first, I would say my speed. I think just off the line, you know, I can definitely be the deep threat in this offense. And I would just say my attacking the ball point and route running is something that he brings and attributes to this offense. And that's something Florida State loves to have and you can see the amount of speed we talked about it on a show uh, a couple episodes ago about how much actual guys that are to be flying around on this offense and definitely in that wide receiver room uh, out norvell's stacked up with a lot of talent there but malik benson specifically saying you know i i can take that deep ball and if you go back and look at some of his film as well in juco yeah he, he can fly if he reaches his full potential in tallahassee i mean it's going to be very fun to watch this is a guy that Florida State. They coveted him before he entered the transfer portal. You know, they were already interested whenever he was back in junior college, chose Alabama at the time. So now to get a second chance at him, I mean, as soon as he hit the portal, Florida State was going out there trying to get Malik Benson. And, you know, we see with what DJ's strengths are coming into this offense, it looks like Florida State is going to be putting that ball in the air and throwing it deep a ton this season. And I think the addition of Malik and Jalen Brown and some of those other receivers they have coming back that could grow into uh, special players only speaks uh, to that offense. So, I mean, it's only going to be fun. You know, he was talking about tour of duty and starting to get involved into that. And I think as we see him, you know, hit the ground running, getting the spring practice, start to get the system under his belt some more. It's going to be very fun if Florida State can unlock um, some more of his route running and things like that. Because the athleticism, you know, the ability to be a very special athlete is all there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want to note it too on TJ Ferguson, something that he said uh, about having a few of his Alabama guys coming here uh, and quote, he said, it's nice having other guys from Alabama here. Uh, just when I came down on my visit, Earl Little Jr. was down here as well on his visit. So we kind of talked about going ahead and doing it. So we were really the first two down here and then started trying to get everybody else just add pieces to the puzzle, he said. And the guys that are here from Alabama, they're all great. Malik, Sean, Earl, uh, Rodell. Yeah, everybody's great on and off the field. Uh, that's a big thing about Florida State is how you are off the field. And so I thought that was pretty interesting there. Just a guy that just landed in Tallahassee and just really saying something that we've been harping on for a couple of years now. What Mike Norvell likes adding in that locker room. Off the field guys are uh, a big deal for what Florida State's bringing in. And yeah, talent's huge, but guys off the field and, and making sure that chemistry is built well and having the same focus in the locker room is huge. And I think that's been so important to the success. I mean, it's great to have all of these talented players and guys and go out there and, and do it all on Saturdays, but you've got to have guys that fit into the locker room because six out of the seven days, you're not out there on the game field. And, you know, you got to have things meshing team chemistry wise and through practice and in film sessions, going to class, things like that throughout the week. So, I mean, the off the field is just as important as the on the field. And we've seen Mike Norvell and his coaching staff, you know, that's very important to them and how they go out and recruiting guys in high school and in the transfer portal. And it's really paying off for Florida State. And, 
TJ Ferguson, another one where Florida State, he was a very highly recruited guy out of high school. Florida State was right there in the mix for him, but they weren't as successful as they are right now, weren't as proven. But he even said it in his interview, you know, Florida State, everything that they told him during the recruiting process back in high school, they've done so far. So he really trusts them. And, you know, he's excited to come into Tallahassee and hopefully reach the potential um, that made him such a, a highly touted recruit at, at the prep level. We'll be hearing more uh, interviews later this week. Actually, tomorrow morning, we'll hear, be hearing from Florida State's starting Brown. quarterback for the 2024 season. What did you say? And Jalen Brown. Oh, yeah. Hopefully yeah. so. Uh, we missed him, man. We missed him on Tuesday. I was looking. Well, I, I mean, I guess he was getting that car. I don't I don't know if you saw his Instagram. He got himself a nice little. Nice he did? Little so, oh, yeah. I saw a handful of guys get some whips. Yeah, so maybe he was. You know, he had more important things to do. I don't blame him. I think you might have to, you might have to go check it out after the podcast. <laughs> well, I know Fentrell got a nice new whip. I know Cam Davis, Florida State's true freshman. I saw Charles. Nice saw Charles Lester. Richie got Leonard. one. Um, yeah, Damn. Richie got one. Yeah. There's Jeez. someone else. Too. Hold up now. Really, Florida State to Alabama is Alabama to Florida State. That's just like getting kind of crazy now. Dealerships. Shoot. Sign me up. But uh yeah, that was uh just some a few quotes that I thought stood out to me during those newcomer interviews. Uh we're gonna be ha- hearing from a handful of guys in, uh, tomorrow morning, including DJ. Uh I want to talk about a little bit of the senior ball. That's just now getting started. We're starting to see some highlights from some guys. And like Dimitri was telling us earlier, there's no shocker that some of these guys are flashing and like Fabo, but then also too. now looking at, at Johnny Wilson, a few other guys that are having some shine there at the senior bowl, but specifically from the East West shine bowl, we had an update from Jordan Travis and uh, he had an interview there uh, with one of these Steelers outlets and, you know, kind of gave him some scoop on his recovery there. We actually were not, you know, given you know, the full injury and, and that all was disclosed college side, but now going to NFL, NFL draft, we're going to get a lot of details on what he uh, suffered against North Alabama, but end up being a fibula fracture. Uh, he told uh, the outlet that he's about a couple weeks, probably two or three weeks away from actually being out of the boot. I posted, uh, a video of him he put on his story of him walking without the boot so making some big progression there uh he did tell uh the outlet as well that he's been invited to the combine so he'll be there he'll undergo the meetings he'll go through health evaluations he'll go through uh the uh interviews as well with the media too so he will be in indy doing uh, some things with the nfl combine but obviously still recovering so he won't be there on the field uh, doing some stuff, but he did get and have a meeting and, and talked with the Steelers, which uh, signed me up. I mean, I don't know, like what else go from. Do you, do you think he met with your new offensive coordinator? I know. I, and I was just about to say like, like, the, like I almost don't want him now to don't, don't, don't come to Pittsburgh yet. Maybe in a couple of years once <laughs> Arthur Smith's fired after. Well, we do like to keep offensive coordinators for three years, two years of just awful work. And just, you know, keep them for an extra year. So uh, I don't even want to talk about Arthur Smith. But, uh, yeah, met with the Steelers. I, I love that. Sign me up. Um, but I think he's going to meet with – uh, we're going to hear a lot of things about Jordan Travis meeting with a lot of teams moving forward and someone that might be flying a little bit under the radar, obviously going through this injury 
changed a lot for him, and there's a lot of guys uh, top of him on that board. But uh, someone, if he's able to get continuously to get, to continue to get developed on the NFL side, I think there's some uh, some high optimism for him and his career in the league. But uh, yeah, he, he said he'll be 100 percent for the NFL season two, so that's really big news, guys. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it said uh, he's hoping to be fully recovered around May, um, give or take. So, I mean, that would be a really good timeline considering that injury happened there um, later in November. But, you know, you look at Jordan Travis and what he's done these past couple of years and just prove that he can get better and better. I mean, year over year, we've seen it on the field. And now the injury that he's coming off of, you know, from what we are hearing and what he said, it seems to be more of a broken bone than more of a ligament. And I think that's easier to come back from. So, I mean, we'll see how his recovery goes, obviously, but it's not going to be a surprise to see, you know, more than obviously more than one in the Pittsburgh Steelers, more than one NFL team express interest in Jordan Travis. And I don't think it'd be a surprise to us if he does get picked in April. I'm just hoping he goes to a team that's willing to cater to his strengths instead of trying to mold him into a certain system. Because he does have limited arm strength, you know, he doesn't drive it as well as you'd want him to at the NFL level, but he's still going to be a productive player in the NFL if he goes to the right system. No offense, Logan, I don't think Arthur Smith's going to be doing that. So, uh, 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 ho- hopefully, you don't have to be offending me. I already know. I've already, like, <laughs> hopefully, a smarter team picks last him up. week enough. I almost jumped off my balcony once I got the <laughs> notification. And while even too, whenever there was reports that he was getting an interview, I about lost it. But then to have it actually officially happen, um, Goodbye, George Pickens. Adios. Bye, Najee Harris. That was nice knowing you. And we'll, we'll see who else wants to play under. Cal- Calvin Austin, though, about to have a thousand yard season. That's right. That's right. Uh, Going to be the next uh, top wide receiver in the league next year. So, oh, God, please. But yeah, don't, don't, don't go there now. But I am kind of selfish. So I wouldn't mind having Jordan Travis there. <laughs> in pittsburgh but yeah i I agree with you though vz they gotta have if he's gonna go somewhere it's gotta be in a system that fits him well don't try to make something out of him that is just not gonna happen and i think that's kind of where the league is shifting anyways and a lot of these offensive coordinators for the most part if they're smart but i mean we uh, do what i was gonna say if they're smart some of them are too smart for their own good and we kind of like we saw we saw with lamar jackson in the acc championship game whether this dominant run team against a team that struggles to defend the run and you try to make Lamar Jackson a pocket passer. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're too smart for their own good and try to do things that are outside of the player's strengths. I mean, I'm interested to see too, like what the Panthers here, they're bringing on Dave Canales and, you know, Dave Canales' time at Seattle did a great job there with Geno Smith developing him. And then you go into another just one year deal here with Baker Mayfield develops him very well. He's going to get him paid. And now they're going to try it out with Bryce Young, former number one overall pick. And I'm interested to see, you know, if that's the case, you know, that's something that I would hope that, you know, Jordan Travis gets put into where they can utilize his talents to the best of his abilities. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening in this NFL draft. I think it's going to be a super fun one. I don't think it's going to be so crazy NFL free agency frenzy like we had last year. But I think NFL draft-wise, there's a lot of big teams with big markets, too, right off the bat that are trying to find their, their future franchise quarterback. And, and things are going to get interesting to where maybe Jordan Travis gets picked in, uh, in this draft and see where he goes. So it will be super fun to follow. Uh, and then, uh, real quick, Rodney Hill to uh, FAMU, Rattler Strike. You gave no senior bowl updates. 
None. Not a single one. He was like, we're going to go into the Senior Bowl. And then he goes, and at the East-West Shrine Bowl, Jordan Travis. I mean, Johnny Wilson's running fast. There's no shocker there. I still can't believe he measured in with a seven-foot wingspan. Like, it just blows my mind. You want him in Minnesota? We don't really need him. Like, would it be fun? Yes, but we have so many other needs before we draft a receiver in the third round, which is what we'd have to do. And you got to figure out if you want to have Kirk Cousins for the rest of your life. It's probably going to happen. Damn. Damn. I've just accepted that there's no way they're going to trade a, to the third overall pick. It's just going to be too expensive to select one of the top three guys. And the way Penix and Bo Nix have looked at the Senior Bowl, it's not worth taking those guys at Damn. any point in the first two rounds. So, uh, yeah, just give me Kirk for another year and then take, I don't know, Joe Milton. In like the fourth round. <laughs> well, one guy who is looking like good at the Senior Bowl is our former Hear the Spear guest and FSU defensive tackle, Braden Fisk. Um, named quick. yeah by by the majority of people out there. Named one of the standouts of day one. Came back mm-hmm. and it looked like he had another solid outing uh, today out there in Mobile. So Braden Fisk, you know, potentially earning himself some money out there this week with a couple of dominating practices where, you know, showcasing his speed. His physicality. I mean, he's he's really been on one. Yeah, he's gone from like maybe a late third round pick, early fourth round pick to I don't see a way he gets out of the second round at this point, just with how many teams need interior defensive line. And he's arguably in that conversation of the top three or four. You know, that there's definitely a chance he could fly off in that second round. I think Kalen Deloach made himself some money at the East West Shrine Bowl. So did Jerry and Jones and Renardo Green, or Jarian Jones, excuse me. You know, everyone was talking about how athletic Kalen looked flying around all over the field, you know, in coverage, blowing up the run. And then obviously Jones and Green are two sticky man corners. There's not enough of those in the NFL and, and teams can never have enough good cornerbacks. So everyone's been making themselves some money this past week. And to add to that, Fabian Love it. I've seen some real I've seen him getting some love as yeah. well out there at the East West Shrine Bowl practices. That's a, that game is actually going to be tomorrow night, Thursday, February first, um, at eight at eight p.m. I don't believe Jordan Travis is still out there, but those other four guys that Austin just mentioned—Jarian Jones, Renardo Green, Kalen Deloach, and Fabian Lovett—all expected to uh, suit up. I'll be fun, yeah. Braden, look at this. I mean, we saw it in practice all the time. We saw it in the ACC championship. We saw them all throughout the season. But just grab and drag. See ya. Get off me. If, I, if I'm not wrong, that's it's Miles Frazier from LSU, I believe. So he's already done that a couple times then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw that in Orlando. But yeah, uh, Braden's going to be a steal. He's a guy that's just going to, like you said, both y'all, he's going to earn himself some extra money going into this draft. And I can't wait to see where he ends up getting picked up. But if you guys right. haven't yet, I would go check out that interview we had a couple weeks ago with him. I think he's probably someone that right now is going to go higher than a lot of people are projecting him, especially if he can keep this up and go show off some of that athleticism at the combine. Cause he's an underrated athlete. I mean, we saw some of the Florida state and even still, you know, for much of the season limited some by that foot injury, I believe it was turf toe. So, you know, now getting a little bit of chance to rehab from that, he looks really great out there at the senior bowl, but Outside of Fisk and Johnny Wilson, you also got Jaheim Bell out there. He's also had some rave, rave reviews for some plays. And Senior Bowl going to be played Saturday, February 3rd at 1 p.m. Make sure you all tuned into that. Uh, to finish off the show, and then we'll have some basketball also at the very end. But 
we got some first round projections here from a few guys and uh, starting off with Mel Kuyper's uh, mock draft 1.0 from ESPN. Jared Verse selected at first off here. Who do you, who, who do y'all think is, well, you kind of already know this one, Dustin, but maybe Austin doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't read our content. Who do you think Mel Kuyper has going higher, Jared Verse or Keon Coleman? Well, I, I read the Discord, so I saw that Jared Verse was going to the Rams and Keon Coleman was going to the Colts. So I believe the Colts have the higher pick. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's there's a few. I think CBS Sports, too. Uh, we have one that's going out tomorrow. But specifically, though, for Mel Kuyper, uh, he's got Jared Verse going number 19 overall. Um and then also Keon Coleman going number 15. And that one's pretty interesting, too, because of Pittman and Micah Pittman's brother. Uh, you know, depending on, you know, getting a mega, mega deal there for wide receiver, Keon Coleman could come in and replace there, uh, depending on if uh, Pittman ends up picking or ends up going somewhere else. But uh, those two are right now projected on the first round from Mel Kuyper's mock draft. And then CBS sports has Jared verse getting picked in the top 10 at number nine with the bears. And then Coleman selected to number 30, still staying in the first round with the Baltimore Ravens. But thoughts on these guys, man, this is going to be super fun to watch the next couple of months as we get prepared for the draft. Yeah. Kuyper's projections were interesting to me. That felt like the absolute latest verse would go and the absolute earliest Coleman would go. It kind of seems like, Teams weren't very pleased with how Keon Coleman closed the season, which he did have, as saw it released, or saw it said somewhere that he was dealing with a lower leg injury for pretty much the entire second half of the season, which you could tell. He wasn't as fluid as he was in the first half of the season. But you're kind of seeing him in that, you know, Kansas City-Buffalo range at the very end of the first round, more than you are seeing him at 15 to Indianapolis. That was pretty high. And then Jared Verse, I think it goes high as eight to Atlanta if they end up making a trade for Justin Fields, let's say. So definitely an interesting projection. I think versus the more likely of the two to go higher in the first round, but you know, either way, they're going to be very productive in the NFL and come this time next season. I think they're both going to end up going in the first round and, you know, Keon may get docked some for his performance last couple of weeks of the season. But, you know, like you said, he, he was clearly dealing with an injury and there's something wasn't quite right there. And I think we've seen with some of these clips servicing over the last couple of weeks, uh, these guys training out in Texas, Verse and Keon actually training together. Keon's looked a lot more explosive. Looks like he's getting to getting back to his normal self. So I think when we get get them both to the combine, we're going to get more of an indicator of how they both are physically. Mm-hmm. And they're going to explode. They're going to explode. And Jaheim Bell, guys like that, Johnny Wilson, like we were talking about. I think um, Braden is going to be one of the stars of the combine. I agree. H- so him and him and Verse. I think Verse is going to put on a show once we get to the combine because. He's underratedly strong, and obviously we saw that in the Florida and Louisville game where he put two offensive linemen in the laps of quarterbacks. But I think he's going to impress some people at the combine, whereas the competition he's going up against, like Dallas Turner, who's more of a finesse guy, I think teams might look at Verse, who's still plenty fast, be like, hmm, interesting. We're going to have a busy NFL draft weekend. That's what mm-hmm. I'm just projecting right now. <laughs> I'm going to love it. 
It's gonna be a lot of it's fun. It's gonna be fun, man. I used to be back in the day, sit back and just watch a lot of Knowles get drafted and then just picture what they're gonna be looking like and that uh in that room for where they're going in the organization wise. But I just think too, Jared first, not only I think a lot of people talk about his what he brings on the field, but I think for a locker room, uh, he he would be enormous. He really would and would fit a team very fast. So uh that, that's one thing about Jared that I just deeply like about him a ton he's got a lot of confidence but just for a locker room essence he'd be a big pick there if whoever gets him but that's mel kuypers talk cbs sports we'll continue to kind of do that throughout uh, the next little while until we get to the nfl draft and who knows maybe we'll be able to get grab a few of these guys on and, and get their thoughts and some of their projections um i've got pro bowl stuff going on this weekend jermaine johnson congratulations to him He's mm-hmm. now in to the Pro Bowls, so we'll be seeing him. I'll be down there Saturday and Sunday, so going to look forward to hopefully trying to grab an interview from him and see if he'll uh, be interested to coming on here to hear the spear. And, of course, we already know about Jalen Ramsey as well. That one might be a little bit harder to try to grab on here, but you never, you know what? He's still got to try. He's going to still shoot my shot. I'll do a lot of things, Jalen. I'll do a lot of things to get you on here, but I – but not crazy too far, though. Not, not too far. <laughs> I was about to say. Mm. Yeah, not, not, not and, chill on that real quick. I know where y'all are going to go. but And, and speaking of all-star part. things, the all-star reserves for the NBA will be announced tomorrow. And Scotty Barnes is someone to watch because he's been having an amazing season with Toronto in the East. Eastern Conference front court hasn't been great, so Scotty may be in a first-time all-star about this time tomorrow. Damn, Dustin. Thoughts? And uh, we should get Dustin's take on everything that actually scotty barnes gets recognition wise so dustin thoughts on that overrated oh my oh. god Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> wow For he's right. hey, i mean he's playing good you know <laughs> for context guys uh yeah, dustin for... called him a bust from the very beginning i, pro- his... I projected him to be a bust yeah and he's currently averaging 26 and he's six currently not a bust <laughs> <laughs> 26 and six shooting 32 percent from three which for him is pretty good if you yeah that, i mean that was the main question like is he was he going to be able to get his shot together and it's looked a lot better than it did at florida state or sorry actually he's 36 percent from three this season 32 percent for his career and he's shooting the career high almost 77 percent from the free throw line he's made a huge stride especially with pascal siakam and og Ananobi. Uh, Lue, he's gotten some more opportunities recently. Well, speaking of basketball, let's end off the show right here, VZ. Give us the latest on B-Ball. Of course, Dustin was in attendance for this one and Florida State Falls to North so we Carolina. Can, we get the blame D-Lo. Ranked team in the country, but 75 to 68. But yeah, d was had, in attendance. I had a good time. We kind of called it. We kind of did. But he would have. He pulled a U, VZ. So, I mean, can yeah. you blame him? I mean, just like that's what you do. So, yeah. the same boat now. It was a closer game than the final score indicated. Like that was a one possession, two possession game for yeah. the majority down the stretch. And then, you know, missed shots and free playing the free throw game ended up being a seven point game, which the spread was six and a half ended up being a bad beat for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was a tough game. Florida state was down two with two minutes left and Jameer Watkins had a wide open three. It was a great job, you know, getting him an open look and just miss what was, you know, he, he, Shot well from three that game. I believe he was two for two before that shot missed. And, you know, offense couldn't come forward when you needed a two. UNC's got RJ Davis and the officials. And that's what mattered. 
because there was a lot, a lot of questionable calls in that game where it's just if one or two things go Florida State's way or if Jameer hits that shot with two minutes left to go up one, who knows what the game looks like. And maybe Florida State was UNC's first ACC loss instead of Georgia Tech last night. Um, but definitely a tough loss. I think it was good that the guys get a week off to kind of get over that game. You didn't have to bounce back into another game. And they've got Louisville on Saturday, which, you know, let's be honest, Louisville's kind of bad. Um, I, I could... No, I'll say it. They suck. They're horrible. If Florida State loses Saturday, it's going to be bad. And as I put in an article yesterday, Florida State really can't afford to lose this game. They pretty much have to go at a minimum 9-2 and two these last 11 games if they want any chance at an at-large tournament shot. There's And there's just not a ton of chances for quality wins, and they already have a couple of really bad losses to, to Georgia, Lipscomb, and USF, all three quad three losses. Granted, if Georgia can hold on to this win against Alabama. There's about six minutes left in this game that I'm watching now. Um, maybe that can look a little bit better, but Florida State's got to close the season strong if they want any chances, and it starts by not having any more bad losses Saturday against Louisville. It was a tough game. You know, the the officiating obviously wasn't great, but I mean, I think just once again, it's kind of the Jekyll and Hyde that we've yeah. seen from Florida State throughout the season. You know, a, a really, really good first half, and then they come out pretty flat for majority of that second half and you know we're able to get back in it but just not enough to pull off that upset against North Carolina would have been huge for their NCAA tournament resume but I mean at the same time you know once again another promising effort against a really good team and if they can just put a couple more things together a couple couple more minutes of consistent play they're going to pull off one of these upsets and you know there's still some opportunities on this schedule and you know we'll, we'll see how it goes but you know I, I'm trying to take the optimistic side of it but when we talk about, you know, and Austin said it before on past episodes, and you think back to how this team was playing a couple months ago from where they have where they were then to where they are now, they're playing a lot better and a lot more together out there on the court. It is pretty ridiculous in two games against Carolina where you get 19 free throw attempts at UNC's 55. Just doesn't help. Something about that doesn't quite sit well with me. Uh, at the same time, you can't expect to score 27 points in the second half against North Carolina and, and win. You know, your offense has to be a little bit better. Primo Spears and Jameer Watkins weren't the most efficient. You know, Chandler Jackson had a really good game, 10 points in just 10 minutes. Gave them really good minutes off the bench, but they still needed just a little bit more. And, you know, if Jameer Watkins is 5 of 12 instead of 3 of 12, if I'm correct, you know, that ends up being a much different game. And, you know, maybe Florida State's still standing alone in second place in the ACC. And you said 27 points in the second half. Do you by any chance offhand remember how many they had in the second half of the first matchup? Because it, it probably wasn't more than 27. Um, I, I want to say it was the same, actually. I can check real quick. I believe I mean, it's really two bad halves. I mean, doom you in those games. It, it was two amazing first halves in both games and two really bad second halves. Uh, December. Hmm. Well, oh, no, actually, it was 35. Oh, wow. I'm honestly surprised. Yeah, for some reason, I thought they scored more than 35 in the first half in that first game. Damn. But it was just UNC had scored 49 in that second half. I will say that was the most, that was the most packed I've seen at the Tucker Center um, so far this season. I mean, it was... 
Well, isn't that your first and only game you've been to this year? Yeah, but I mean, you can get a good feel. Oh my god! You can get a good feel from the TV. <laughs> and I've also had my family send me some pictures from games that weren't very endearing. So. I, be- I believe they announced the attendance at ten thousand two hundred. So pretty close to a sellout. It's not bad at all. I I expect if Florida State can if Florida State can still have success over these next two weeks, that game against Duke might be a sellout. Yeah, it was loud. I could hear it through the TV, so that was good stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Tomorrow morning, make sure you're following us on our socials. Um, Dustin, you're traveling, so I'll be tweeting the majority of them. But we'll be hearing from uh, BJ Gibson. We'll be hearing from DJ. Uh, we'll be hearing no. from Grady Kelly. No more DJ. DJ is out. Dang. He's out Dang. of here. Jalen Brown's out. We're, but we're getting uh, Jalen Brown now. Yeah, he got replaced with Jalen Brown. Okay, so now we're just substituting. So maybe next week we'll be hearing from DJ. DJ's too busy throwing deep balls to Malik Benson. So the names but, I put in chat are the updated list. Dang, I didn't get the email. I was told, and it said in the email, subject to change. So, I mean, who even knows who we'll get? Who knows what we'll who we'll hear from? I'm not even going to say any more names. So just stay tuned to the twitters. We got new more newcomer interviews to keep an eye out for but appreciate everybody hanging out with this evening as always you can listen to this podcast on itunes google play spotify shout out to big meech for giving us a phenomenal interview there we're looking to grab a few more guests for you guys as we move into february hope everybody had a good start to the year and we look forward to seeing you guys next wednesday at 7 p.m peace Five, same color t-shirt